listening to the Impact Interviews from the Martin Agency. Join us as we explore fresh ways to break through the noise, impact culture, and shape the future of advertising. In today's episode, Martin's Chief Strategy Officer, Michael Chapman, sits down with Wade Davis, a former NFL quarterback whose work focuses on improving race, gender, and sexual orientation equality for all. Wade is an inclusion consultant for heavy hitters like Netflix, Google, and the NFL. He coaches senior leaders from top companies around the world on how to build and develop their entire employee population. We're talking to Wade Davis, a former NFL player, corporate inclusion advisor, and educator. Um, just heard you speak, and it was... Um, so 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 powerful because I was hoping that you're going to say magical. It was more powerful than magical, to be honest. <laughs> but as I was saying earlier, it's not like it's a speech. I mean, you were asking everybody in that room to sort of take a hard look at themselves and just ask hard questions, and then you know, I felt like leaving. I had real marching orders to go change something in my life. So, um, I mean, personally, thank you for that. It was that's awesome. the goal. I try to, I try to make it really conversational. I don't think anyone wants to just hear people talk for forty minutes. Yeah, you know, I I've done that and I could do that, but I found it's much more powerful when you're probing folks to think um, more critically about how they're showing up in the world, but to also own my crap, right? Like, I really try to model to say, hey, like I'm not this person who's walking on water. Like, I have a a lot of work to do also so I I tell you about my sexism I tell you about my my phobia around people who have different body types like I'm trying to say hey I'm no better so let's do this work together I mean when people were walking out they were talking about the fact that you know it wasn't being preached to I think there was a lot of preaching going on because it was but it was pretty awesome but <laughs> well, I'm a southern boy I know, so I can't not, help it <laughs> but but they walked out saying I believed in what he was saying because it was clear that he had done a lot of the work, that you had done a lot of the work yourself um, to get to where you are and, and, and everything. And, and I everything. just try to model it. Yeah. I think, you know, as leaders, like I said to myself, a leader, we have to model what we want other people to do and to also own, you know, the fact that we're all on this journey, right? I try to get leaders to be as vulnerable as possible. So at this company I'm consulting in now, I've had every leader do a workshop where they own their biases. Mm -hmm. But they have to state it publicly. Imagine wow. you in front of your entire staff having to, to do that. Right? They already know. Yeah. Right? And so the question is, can you own it? Can you name the impact that your bias has on other people? Can you name the impact that it has on you? Because there's an impact on us. And then can you name what you're going to do going forward to unlearn them? That's the work. Because otherwise, we sit with two things. We sit with either guilt or shame. Mm -hmm. Neither have any value, right? So if you find out that you've got a bias against a woman, like, and you don't talk about it or work through it, you're just holding on to the shame of the fact that, wow, I hope no one knows this about me. We're not private people as Americans. We we really are. If you hang out with me for two days, you, you'd realize, wow, Wade is not that great. You know? Like, he's cool, but he's not as great as I thought he was. So, yeah. I'm sorry. What would you, I find out? Uh, you find out I'm really boring. Like, I really <laughs> am boring. Like, honestly, when I give a talk like this, I go to back to my hotel room, and I literally lay on the floor, and I think about all the ways I screwed up the talk. Oh, man. And then I think about, all right, but what did I learn about the talk? And then I have a glass of wine or some champagne. I call my, my fiancé. I tell him how the talk was, and then he'll laugh at me, and then we'll just talk for a little bit. And then I'll typically watch some awful reality TV, and then I'll get up the gumption to read something. 
And I'm well, like, all right, you should probably read something. And that's it. Like, well, literally. You, your reading list is so impressive, so I'm glad to know that um, there are <laughs> other sides to you that aren't quite as, uh, you know, as impressive. Nothing wrong with a little reality television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, One of the things that, um, you know, you, you talk about is how culture is created and, and, and how normalization, you know, happens and some of the things that, you know, you have to look hard to find these, these yeah. biases because the world isn't out there to, to, to show them. you got to look for them. you got to yeah. do the hard work. What do you think uh, this industry, this advertising, you know, category, w- what role do we play in, in the world that you're sort of diagnosing and looking at? I actually think you all have a wonderful opportunity. And, and I use that language with intention because when you think about most of us spend most of our lives watching television or we're seeing ads as we drive cars, or we're seeing ads at gas stations or in bathrooms. So you all are shaping how we think about ourselves and and other people, right? And images matter, symbols matter, right? So if I watch, let's say, television all day long, and all that I see are ads with people who don't look like me, I start to think, I start to forget that I exist, Actually, and then I actually start to question my own validity in the world, my you know my own place in the world. So I think as as advertisers, you 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 all have an opportunity, but also a responsibility, mm. right, to um, show the world for what it as it really is. Um, I think your challenge is that you have clients though who who have their own ideas or, or preconceived notions about what they want the world to look like or what sells, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think that, that you all are almost in a jackbox of, of like, I'm darned if I do or I'm darned if I don't because you are running a business at the end of the day, right? So, um, so how can you push back gently? How can you also use data and statistics to say when you use an advertisement that may show uh, um, a Latino woman, your hit rate is the same as if you were showing a white woman, right? Or even when you're showing someone who is trans, the, the opportunity to trend on Twitter because you're doing something that's revolutionary is even greater, right? And as you can imagine, the discussion with, the, with anyone who is trying to run their business and work within a world that has normalized so much yeah. uh, of the wrong types of behaviors and, and, and visualizations yeah. of what America or the world looks like, Trying to get them to then um, maybe see it differently and tap into something that's that's I feel like is um, you know maybe more true yeah. or maybe even more aspirational in a good way. Yeah, um, you know is is tough. Um, yeah. and I don't understand why. I mean, you talked earlier about I mean because we, we talked about the fact that the statistics would say you should have more inclusion. Yeah. The statistics have been saying it since the '60s, I think you said, which was you know a more diverse, more female leadership will lead to to, to, to um, more money, more, to more money, and yet. Women right now are having a, a harder time than ever being in leadership position. I think they lost. I think it was two percent yeah. down from three or four percent, which is not great anyway. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it goes back to um, so the exercise I had you all do also sh- um, shows something else, right? Is that we like mirrors. We like to look at ourselves. We feel much more comfortable with people who look like us, talk like us, act like us. So if if I'm an advertiser. And I think, um, or, if, or if I have a product and I think it's going to sell, I'm actually much more, I have a much more positive reaction if I watch it and I see my, myself in it, right? So I think that some of it's somewhat natural or innate and to go against the self feels in a way like dying, 
Mm-hmm. You know, um, because everything that I thought that I knew is true, I, I've got to now unlearn to to think that there's a new possibility out there. Um, and I think for a lot of us, it feels painful to have to grow up. You know, and I and I know that may sound harsh, but like we've got to grow up out of the idea that um, that our world is the only world, or that our view is the only right view, um, and that how do we start to start to think about like what's the social good that that advertising can also do? Yes, you 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 want to make money for your products, and you want to make sure that. Um, that you're reaching as many audiences as possible, but what about the opportunity to reach a new audience, mm-hmm. right? Or And to expand your actual reach. Because if you've saturated every person in your target audience, like the only way to continue to grow your actual brand is to reach new audiences. Or to even show, I think, the fact that sometimes even um, as we look to court other audiences, other communities, um, there's a certain segment uh, or subsegment of the majority, or the you know the false majority, the privileged majority, that actually says, "Wait a second, that's the way I want the world to be, and I want to be a part of that." So there's a way to draw people in. So I, I, well, no, and you know, if you're trying, if if I was a fashion house and I was trying to reach a new group of people, I should probably have people who are from the new group that I'm trying to target be in the room to help me think of the the, the creative and the product, and we, and we see like with the H and M ad, mm-hmm. right, um, that. That there's a real cost to screwing this up, and I think that and Pepsi. Yeah, unfortunately, people don't respond until it it hits their wallets, mm-hmm. right? I'm sure Pepsi is now going to be more thoughtful. H and M will be more thoughtful. Gucci will be more thoughtful, but they would have, but they would be able to save a lot of money if they just said, "Hey, like to have different types of representation in the room creates a." Um, it, it makes it less likely that we'll screw up. Well, and, I, and we believe in terms of the, we, we know that brands grow at two and a half times the category average that they're talking no. about, right? If buzz happens. So it's not just about what you say, it's about what conversations are you starting. Mm. And if you're going to impact culture, you know, it really happens at the intersection of communities and belief systems. No, and, I didn't know that. Um, That's just, a powerful uh, argument to make, too. Well, it, it is. And I think it's the one that, um, because it used to be that you could do awareness, you know, it, um, but now it is much more about social currency and relevance. And are you doing something that actually gets, gets people talking? And How do clients really respond to that argument? Well, I mean, I think the ones that are doing the best work right now and the ones that are doing the best as businesses understand that it's not enough to have a, I heard this just the other day, you know, to have a position ver- or to have a positioning versus to take a position. Mm. I mean, you look at Kaepernick, you look at Nike wow. and the world that they went out and sort of said, hey, we're not just going to celebrate something. We're going to go out and take a stand. And you said it today, like, you, you know, you got to be human, right? We don't have to be right in yeah. a conversation you got to be okay with there's going to be a negative side and a, and a quote-unquote positive side. There's going to be two differing sides, and that's tough. But there's growth in either. Yeah. That's, that's what I want like people to understand is that like if there's a negative aspect of it, you'll grow because you learn something new. And there's a positive aspect, you'll grow because you learn something new as well. And then you'll keep doing the positive stuff mm-hmm. and less likely to take the negative approaches. Yeah. I wonder if one of the things that – not that I'm trying to give you more work to no, do, you're but fine. I think it's interesting to think about um, agencies needing members of specific communities that are are creative enough, interesting enough, and interested enough to be involved in that process. And as you go around, you know, sort of collecting that as a as a um, 
you know, as a pool for 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 agencies who are creating yeah. uh, the norms to start to be a little bit more, um, you know, helpful and proactive. What I think agencies, and this is just my own opinion, right? Even if you can't find, let's say, um, a woman or a person of color to be in the room, like like let's say that's Wouldn't not looking too hard, right? <laughs> but even if you're saying like, hey, before we make this ad go to print or go to television let's have different people look at it mm-hmm. right because there's no way in you know there's there's no way any rational person of color would have saw that Gucci ad or the H&M ad and go oh it's perfect it's great you know like if you just have people with a, with a different a point of view someone could say hey here are, here are your here are your shadow spots mm-hmm. in this opportunity. So I would just say, can you push your clients to actually say, maybe you hire a consultant, mm-hmm. you know, that, so I've been, I've had people send me their PSAs or sort of creatives and go, hey, wait, can you just, just look at this? You know, and it's, it's just me, me going from 2000 foot out. That's problematic, you know, and, and then folks go, thank you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, you were talking about earlier about, um, it's easy to say who's in the room, so you can sort of say, wait, um, you know, are there the right people in the room? But what's more important, I think, is who isn't in the room. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that and why that matters? Yeah, right. So I've been really thinking about the language of diversity, and I've been pushing myself. Well, one, um, I think initially the word was fine. I think now it's been emptied of its original meaning, and I think the only way to to push back is to come up with a, with a new word that, that that's harder to to criminalize in a way, right? So the language I use now is representation so that you can think about, as as you say, who is in the room, which is great, right? It's important that you have people in the room who are white, who are women, who are blah, 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 right? But who's not in the, in the room is a frame to go, by looking at who's not in the room, like, what are we missing out on? Mm-hmm. Like, like, what is all the innovation, the creativity? What could that person add because they have a different POV? And when you look at it from that perspective, now you're not, thinking that um, the people who you have in the room aren't enough, you're just saying that there's a new opportunity that we can have to get better, to deepen our thinking and to deepen our our understanding. And I think that it gives you access to a new crop of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about, um, Matt, and this goes into the frame of here, we're coming up with solutions for the industry, which I think is awesome. Um, But Account, you know, accountability. Yeah. When I walked away from that talk and, and talking with you is, you know, it's great to say all these things, but you got to <laughs> hold yourself accountable. What kinds of things, just knowing what you know about yeah. the business, um, what kinds of things does this industry need to hold itself accountable? For? I think um, from an advertising standpoint, what would be really powerful is if um, – as you're going through, and, and this is just me spitballing this, I'm going to just own that, right? But if I'm creating an ad, I can create an industry standard that I did my best to have, let's say, 10 forms of representation look at the ad, mm-hmm. right? And maybe 10 is too many, but 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 maybe there's well, better than none. seven categories <laughs> yeah. that, that, that becomes the industry-wide standard, that there's got to be a woman there's got to be a person of color, um, and there's got to be you know a Latino, a black. Um, there's got to be p- p- folks who are LGBT, right? Which is to protect you, right? Mm-hmm. Because I am sure Pepsi would wish that they had have had someone look at that ad the first time and go, "Wow, you screwed up there," because what is true is that it takes, I, I believe, seven positive engagements to replace one negative one. Mm-hmm. 
right? And when I think of Pepsi, I think of that moment. I really do. When I think of Gucci, I'm wearing some Gucci shoes right now. And a friend of mine was like, you still wearing, wearing Gucci? I was like, well, I paid for them, so I got to keep wearing them. But will I buy them again is the question, right? So, um, What's the answer? Oh, uh, No. No, seriously, because, like, are there other advertisers who make very similar shoes? Yeah, right? Um, and they're expensive, right? So I can save myself some coin, right? But I think if if the industry came up with, like, what are some industry standards mm-hmm. that we could abide to that are specific to representation and inclusion that will help us decrease the likelihood of offending people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know you've you've certainly helped me look at myself today and, and understand. Well, thank more you, about, brother. Well, it's important, and uh, I think you did it for a lot of people. Um, but you know, making I think you have made a, an impact on a lot of people. Um, but you know, measuring that impact and maybe that's too specific of a word. <laughs> when, no. when you get excited about what you're doing and understanding what kind of impact you're having, to to what end? You know. So I don't know if there is an end for me. Um, and I say that because I'm still on my journey. You, you know, there, it's almost daily where I realize something about myself that I need to continue to grow around. Um, I will say say this much when it comes to like the work specifically. When I can get more CEOs put accountability measures on themselves to say that when it comes to the idea of representation and inclusion, if we're not getting better. I am not going to get my bonus or I should be something. Mm-hmm. Then I believe that um, that there's staying power, that people really care. Um, because as, as I said during the talk, as I believe her name is Aisha Simmons, accountability is a radical form of love. It's not a punishment. Right. It's, it's not like when when your parents held you accountable for for getting your schoolwork done, they weren't punishing you. They were trying to set you up for success in in the world. Right. When 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 your boss or your or your colleagues hold you accountable to do your job well, it's because, hey, like I love you enough and I love us enough to know that if we're getting our work done well, we keep these accounts. Right. You know, like it's not a punishment, you know, because when you when your clients hold you accountable, it is a punishment saying, like, I have an expectation of your work. Right. And of you. And if you do it well, I'm going to reward you handsomely. Right. Um, And I think that CEOs need to take the same approach to when it comes to this type of work and not think of it as a punishment, because the only reason why we think that, that diverse inclusion is a punishment is because we either think that we can't do it or we think that it doesn't really matter. You, 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 you know, because if if we really thought, no one would have tried to build the computer or the internet or go put a man on the moon or do all of these things if they didn't think that they could do it. So are we doing diverse inclusion because we think that we can't do it or we think that it doesn't matter? And I think that the people have to be honest enough to answer that question. You know, like, and there may be some other options, but when you sit down and meet a CEO who has got his or her neck on the line for it, it's a different conversation than when someone who knows that it doesn't matter if it's a success or not. You typically get a bunch of platitudes. You don't get real interrogation or critical thinking around what they're going to do. Like, they can always tell you what other people are going to do or that they hired this um, chief diversity officer or this happened. No, no. But what about you? Like, those are the questions I'm much more interested in. And I think that that's where, that's where we have to go. If we don't get there, then we will be in the same spot in 10 years and we'll be still having the same type of conversation. 
Well, well, I hope we have a conversation. I hope it's not the same one. I would love to talk to you again, brother. Thank You're my you, brother from another mother of another color. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you, brother. All right. Thanks for listening to the Impact Interviews. Love what you heard or hate it? Send us an email and let us know at impact at martinagency.com. And if you love our theme music, I Crush the Mountainside by Space Bomb House Band, check them out at spacebombrecords.com.